Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this second episode of the Lightning Insider Podcast. I'm Eric Erlinson from Lightning Insider and we want to recap the Game 2 action between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Columbus Blue Jackets coming off of the marathon Game 1 that needed almost eight periods of hockey to decide, seven and a half to be exact, before Braden Point scored the game-winning goal with about 9.27, 9.33 left in the fifth overtime. Again, the fourth longest game in NHL history, and the two teams were back at it for another afternoon affair on Thursday, and things did not go Tampa Bay's way as the Columbus Blue Jackets came away with a 3-1 victory and have tied the best-of-seven series up at a game apiece. Game three will be on uh, Saturday, and that'll be a night game. It'll be back to somewhat normalcy in terms of a normal NHL schedule with a 7.30 p.m. start. Uh, up in Toronto, of course, since this return to play has come into effect, the Lightning have played games at noon at 4. They had an 8 o'clock game. The last two games have been 3 o'clock, so this one's at 7.30. Game 4 will be on Monday. That'll be back to a 3 p.m. start up in Toronto. All right, so let's kind of break down a little bit of what happened in this Game 2. Disappointing, of course, coming off the emotional Overtime victory the other night, the celebration that the team had at the end of it kind of showed how much it meant to them to win that game. Uh, Then today to kind of let Columbus even up the series. And let's start with, well, the start, because the Lightning came out and did everything they wanted to do. They were dictating play. The puck was in the Columbus zone. They were buzzing. They were cycling. They were getting pucks low to high. They were getting shots through. And at one point in the game, the shots were 9-0 for Tampa Bay, and the score was one nothing. So again, doing everything they wanted, Braden uh, or Nikita Kucherov got the scoring going with uh, his first goal uh, of the postseason of the playoffs early in the game. And boy, things looked strong at that point. The Lightning looked like they were ready to go. Uh, they were ready to take off and take charge of this game and try and take charge and command of this series, but for whatever reason, and this kind of reverts back a little bit to what we've seen out of this team maybe in previous years, because one of the things that I was really impressed with in game one was how they stayed patient. They didn't force plays. They were so committed to being defensively sound and structured in the way that they wanted to do things. And again, that's how this game started. They were on it. They were on their game. They were giving Columbus nothing. 
They were suffocating them in their own end. And then they get the goal. And I'm, and I think if they'd have gotten the second goal, if they'd have gotten that second goal in that situation, considering what Columbus has been through, considering the amount of hockey that Columbus has played, you know, remember they had two overtime games against Toronto. They were the only series that went five straight game or went to a five game, fifth deciding game. Uh, they had to come around and basically 36 to 40 hours later play game one. And that game went into an eighth period. So I think if they could have found a way to get that second goal, take advantage of that power play opportunity that Tampa Bay had in the first period, because it was it was from the sustained pressure, the continued sustained pressure that the Lightning were putting on that earned them that power play opportunity. And it was Seth Jones. So on top of that, you've got Seth Jones in the box. Obviously, uh, their most important player outside of Jonas Corposalo. So it was such it was one of those moments that you look back on it now and say, what a missed opportunity that was. I mean, that was a missed opportunity. And it was such a missed opportunity that it was 22 seconds after the power play expired and Columbus tied the game. Seth Jones come out of the box, and, and it starts it starts actually in the, in the lighting offensive zone with about four seconds left on the power play, whatever it was, uh, a little bit more than that. Uh, a lost faceoff. It's a lost faceoff. It's the second power play unit, and that second power play unit today had Kevin Shattenkirk and Victor Hedman on the back end. You had Yanni Gord. You had Pat Maroon and Andre Palat. So those are the, the five guys on that second unit. And it's a lost faceoff. Columbus gains control, and Nick Foligno takes it up the ice and starts the charge. And he he actually gets the first shot on goal right before the tying goal. And sometimes you have to break these things down and look at it. You got to go back and look at replay to see exactly what happened. And when you look back, there's a couple of mistakes and look at just about any goal that is scored. It's there's some mistake somewhere along the way that led to it. Not always, but most of the time, first of all, Columbus got a lucky break because they tried to rim the puck around and both Yanni Gord and Victor Hedman were right in that area they could have picked that puck off and snuffed out anything as soon as before it even began. It hit the referee's skate, and it goes back to a Columbus player. Puck gets back around behind the net, and Ryan Murray cuts down as Victor Hedman chases the puck behind the net. Yanni Gore can't get to the front of the net fast enough. And Ryan Murray, again, Columbus is very good at this. They, they love to get their D activated and in the play. And Ryan Murray cuts down from the left point and gets a deflection tip, whatever you want to call it, and puts it past Andre Vasilevsky. And then, again, I don't know why this happens to this team sometimes. You can call it mental fortitude, whatever you want. There was a sag, right? You work so hard. You come out. You do everything you want to do. And then there's a sag because you gave up the tying goal. And that's something that shouldn't happen to this team. There's too many veterans there's too many guys who've been through so many playoff situations that that shouldn't be a sag moment. But it was. They kind of lost their structure for a little bit. They kind of lost track of what they're supposed to do. And all of a sudden, Columbus has life, right? Like you gave Columbus life because they were dead in the water for those first 10 minutes. Dead in the water. Maybe it was the effects of all the hockey that they've played. 
today was their fifth game in eight days. If my math is correct, it's always good to double check my math. But Columbus got life and that it provided it to them. And all of a sudden now, this team that Columbus is starts to get their forecheck going, starts to get the pucks in deep and go to work. And that's what they do. That is their bread and butter. That and their defensive shell, and it's a shell, that they go into in their own zone. It's Columbus Blue Jackets hockey. And they do it very well. They found success with it. Remember, this is their fourth consecutive year in the playoffs. Didn't have a whole lot of success in the early uh, stages of the franchise. But since John Tortorella has taken over and implemented this plan, this attack, this system, if you will, and they've got guys that can do it. I mean, Nick Felino is just the perfect player for that team. Boone Jenner is a perfect player for that team. And they went to work. So then you end up getting a interference call on Eric Chernak with a minute 41 to go. And this is the hard part. Minute 41 to go in the first period. It's a tie game. you got to kill it off. And they don't. And it starts, again, with a lost faceoff. Now, this is, this is a question that I have. All year, it's been Anthony Sorelli and Alex Kalorn, for the most part, on the faceoffs. And I, and I think the strategy here is, and I didn't get a chance to ask John Cooper the question, because this is an area, again, where you miss Steven Stamkos. Steven Stamkos normally will take those right circle draws. Right, and that's where this face-off was, was in the right circle. And this might have been, you know, because remember, you get to pick the face-off dot you start in when you're on a power play now. And with Stevens out there, he's the right-handed shot, so that's where the in the right circle, you want the right-handed shot taking the face-off. So it's Stevens, Stamkos is not available, instead of Sorelli, who's the left-handed shot, in the face-off dot. You lose it. Stevens is out of position. He scrambles around a little too much. Puck goes behind the net. Ryan McDonough drops down low to try and take away the passing lane from Pierre-Luc Dubois, which left Oliver Bjorkstrand wide open. Mitchell Stevens can't get there, and it's in the back of the net. Now, John Cooper was asked about that after the game, and his comment was basically it was a missed assignment. He said that's a play that they know Columbus likes to do. There was plenty of pre-scouting, pre-tape on it. And it was a missed assignment. And like he said, a mental mistake can cost you. And that was a mental mistake that cost you. Now, I'm not picking on Mitchell Stevens here. But here's my question. Okay, Mitchell Stevens has done a good job. He can kill penalties. He's very good at it. He did it uh, well in the American Hockey League for the Syracuse Crunch. Turned into one of their better penalty killers. But is 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 now when you want to do this. If, if you've got such good chemistry between Alex Kalorn and Anthony Sorelli, do you have to play into the face-off dot situation? I guess that's my only question on this. You know, there's because again, Sorelli and Cologne have so much chemistry on the penalty kill, it's really incredible. But ends up being a blown coverage, and the puck ends up on the back of the net. Now all of a sudden, a period in which you dominated, especially the first half of it, you dominated, you're trailing. You're trailing the game all of a sudden. And you can see the pushback from Columbus as that period went on. Because remember, I told you the shots were 9 nothing at one point, right around the time of the Seth Jones penalty, which is right around the midway part of the period. Well, the shot attempts ended up in that first period, 21-17 in favor of Tampa Bay. So Columbus closed the gap there. Now you're in the same situation you were in game one. You're trailing 2-1. And I think the Lightning recovered themselves rather well from that point on. You know, their structure was a little bit better. Uh, but one thing that we're really starting to see become a, a topic 
a storyline in this series is the way that Columbus blocks shots. We mentioned about that before. 62 block shots in that five-overtime game. Actually, one fewer block shot than Columbus actually had shots on goal in that game. And they did it again today. They finished the game with 21 block shots. And it's an issue. It's something that the Lightning have got to do better. And it's easier said than done. Because they collapse so low. And that's why I said it earlier. It's a shell. They literally drop into a defensive shell in front of their own net. They put up a, a brick wall, if you will. It's, it's like there's a castle. The net is the castle. And they've put up this impenetrable barrier that it's hard to get shots through. Now, one thing that they've gotten better on this year, and this is for the Fire John Cooper crowd. And there's plenty of them that came out today. How do they make adjustments? Well, last year, one of the big issues for this team in the playoff series against Columbus last year was how Columbus took every strength away from the Lightning. And one of the strengths of their team was create off the rush. And a lot of times that meant getting to the circles. The puck carrier comes wide, get to the circles, and then pull back, wait for the second wave. You're not seeing as much of that this year. Look, it's still a play that they utilize. It's still something they want to have as part of their attack. But Columbus is ready for it. And they're very, they're a very disciplined team. They don't waver from the way they play. You can't take them out of their game. They're, they're, they're too, and I, I say this with all respect, they're too stubborn. And I think that's what John Toro would love it if I described them as stubborn. They're a stubborn team. They're not going to come out of who they are. They are going to stick to what works for them. So you can't necessarily take them out of it. You, and you're certainly not going to get into a run-and-gun situation with them. They know they can't survive that anyway. They don't have the skill power, even with the emergence of Pierre-Luc Dubois and Liam Foody, who is a former first-round draft pick who has come in and, and really established himself. He's got some speed. But besides that, they don't have a ton of skill. Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones. And so there's a ton of skill on that back end. But they don't have a ton of skill up front. So they know they cannot get into a run-and-gun situation. So they're going to play a stubborn game. And that's why, look, I was so impressed with the way the Lightning stuck with what they wanted to do in Game 1 through seven and a half periods of hockey. They didn't stray from who they were. They wanted to be a team that get, get shot, shots through, get them quickly, get them on net, try and create some chaos. You know, look, they, there are two goals that they scored in regulation. The first one was a deflection that went off of Braden Point's knee pad and went through the five hole of Corpusalo. And then the second one was a jam play. It was a scramble around the net, ends up in the back of the net. And the first goal was that way too today. Andre Palat has a shot that banks off the end boards. Caroms to Nikita Kucherov, who's able to quickly grab it. And then the bank is open, and he actually banked it in off Corpusalo. So again, net plays. Net plays, net plays, net plays. Get pucks to the net. Create near the net because you're not going to score off the rush. You're not going to have three-on-twos, two-on-ones. You're just not going to get it against Columbus. So you have to be strict in your discipline and your approach. And this was my line of questioning uh, in post-game comments about how do you get pucks through against them. And, and one of the things that stood out to me was both John Cooper and Kevin Shattenkirk said it. 
get shots off quicker. Stop looking necessarily for the seam. If they block it, they block it, but get shots off quicker. That's what they're going to have to do as this series goes on. And now we're in a series. Now we're in a series. The latest news and insight with the Lightning is found here on the Lightning Insider Podcast. Here again is Eric Erlinson. It's 1-1. It's down to a best of five. Game three comes Saturday. Game four will be Sunday. Game five will be Wednesday. That time has not been determined, so no, I don't know. And then in the third period, I, I mean, the, the play by Alexander Wenberg, you know, it was it was a hell of a move. It's tough to defend. Uh, a lot of credit to Kevin Shattenkirk. He said that, you know, it's it's I forget the exact wording that he used, but basically he said that's on me. It's unacceptable to make that kind of a play at that time of the game when we're down a goal and we need to score. I can't do that. I have to find a way to stop it. So I give him a lot of credit for owning up to that. And then it's 3-1. And here's something else that, again, I've, I've harped on this. I've mentioned this a few times on my Twitter feed, and you can find me at Eric underscore Erlinson. That's E-R-I-K underscore E-R-L-E-N-D-S-S-O-N. The Lightning had two power plays in this game. And the second one they didn't get to. There were seven minutes left in the third period when they're already down two. Now you would like to take advantage of it. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying here. But the Lightning in the regular season had the fourth most power play opportunities of any team in the league. Fourth most. And yet, they've gone to Toronto, and they have the fewest of any teams in this return to play. And as I pull the stats up here, it is pretty incredible to think about this, that of all the teams that are here, the Lightning are last, and it's, it's last by quite a bit. And that includes some teams that aren't even here anymore. So through the five games that they have played, and this includes the three round-robin games, the Lightning now have a total of 11 power play opportunities. Dallas has 11, but they've played one fewer game. They will play their game two against Calgary tomorrow, and everybody else has more. Toronto has only played three games, had 13 chances. Sorry, they played... Uh, five games, Whew. 13 chances. Again, against Columbus. Columbus is a disciplined team. They don't give up a lot of power play opportunities. But it just it just seems very odd to me that some of these power play opportunities that the Lightning are getting. Remember, they had zero against the Washington Capitals in the first round robin game. They had two against the Bruins. They both came in the first period. And then I think they ended up with three against Philadelphia. They ended up with four in... The first game against Columbus, and two of them did come in overtime. One of them was a makeup call for a missed high stick on Victor Hedman. So they call the high stick a little bit later on in the period. I can't remember which um, overtime that was in. And then the other one was an automatic delay game penalty that came actually in the fifth overtime shortly before they ended up winning the game. So in regulation time, the Lightning have only had more than two power play opportunities once. And that was in Philly, which, let's face it, was all but a meaningless game. So even Columbus today had three power play opportunities. They got the one at the end of the first, which was a penalty. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's a penalty. Eric Chernak for interference. He almost timed it right, but couldn't. Got there just before the puck. Alex Kalorn with an obvious holding call. And then Braden Point with a high sticking. So they're penalties. Don't get me wrong. They're penalties. 
But it just seems strange that there's a lot of hooking, grabbing, holding going on. It's not being called. And, you know, you're not going to get John Tortorella or John Tortorella, John Cooper to complain about it. You're just not. Especially after what happened to Rod Brindamore, who was slapped with a $25,000 fine and basically put on probation for comments he made after Carolina's game one loss to Boston on Wednesday morning. So you're not going to get the Lightning to complain about it. But it just seems funny to me that they're not drawing power plays. Especially in this series already. They've had the puck a lot. I mean, they've had the puck a lot. The shot attempts today, this is something we talked about, obviously, in through game one because they had 187 shot attempts. They had 69 today. They had 69 shot attempts today, which is a pretty pretty good volume, especially for a team like Columbus that doesn't give up much. Now, Columbus blocked the 21 shots today. But again, they have the puck a lot. And usually when you have the puck a lot, now they haven't had dominant quote-unquote shifts, but they've had some extended zone time. And usually when you get the extended zone time, you end up with power play opportunities, and they're just not getting them. I, I don't know the reason for it. I don't know if anybody could give you a reason for it. I know this question has been asked of me, so I will say this. The officials are critiqued after every single game. They do sit down with a supervisor or go over with a supervisor, usually via video, after every game. So yes, they are being judged on their their work. You're never going to hear about it. They're never going to make it public. You know, they don't even let you talk to the officials really in the NHL. So you're never going to get a true explanation for it. But it just seems odd to me that they're not getting power plays. All right, so a lot of people have asked about potential changes heading into Game 3. I don't think we're going to see any. I'd be let me say that I'll be surprised if we see any because they've played well in these games, right? They they haven't lost because they haven't played well. They've had some bad puck luck. I mean, even in game one, you had um, the double deflection that led to to Columbus's first goal. Today, the puck goes off of the official behind the net that led to their first goal. You know, Lightning had two grade-A chances today, both set up by Tyler Johnson, who twice missed the back backdoor drive. One of them was Anthony Sorelli. The other was Alex Kalorn, just missing by mere inches. If all they have to do is get the blade of their stick on the puck at any capacity, it ends up in the back of the net. So they've had their chances. They've had the puck a lot. They've had puck possession. It's been frustrating, I think, to not get their shots through. But So I don't think they really need to make too many changes in what they do. Now, I had asked a lot of you to send in some questions for uh, this podcast. So let's do that now and answer some of these questions. Um, We'll start with one from Drew. 
Which lands, uh, which line stands out to you more this game so far? Would you say the Lightning defense this game has been better or worse compared to Tuesday? Not due to the goals by Columbus, but the high quality shots they've been able to make. Um, Columbus had some high quality chances in game one. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky was very sharp. He certainly was sharp today for the most part. You'd like to see him maybe stop that Wenberg goal. Um, it's a great shot and a great move by him, but you know, you'd still like that close in tight. You'd like to see your goalie make that stop. Um, you know, they kinda they they kinda lost some of their structure in their own zone, but for the most part I thought they were pretty disciplined. They didn't give up too many um, you know, grade A chances. As far as which line, I mean, your best line so far, I think, in these first two games has been the Yanni Gord, Barclay, Goodrow, and Blake Coleman line. They spend a lot of time in the offensive zone. They really make Columbus work. They have the cycle going. Uh, Point Kucherov and Plot have been very good as well. Uh, obviously, they've accounted for three of the goals. But they again, they have had cycles, and they have had... Um, long stretches of the puck in the zone and they've created off the rush too. And think about it just in the overtimes the other day, both Andre Palat and Nikita Kucherov had wide open chances coming down the right wing side and missed the shot. So uh, those have been the best two lines to me. Uh, you just want to see some more production with as much time as Coleman Gord and Goodrow spent in the offensive zone, maybe some more production out of that line. They had the tying goal in game one in the third period that sent it to overtime. Uh, from Andres, why does it seem like the Lightning are giving them space in our defensive zone? Seems like we're not applying sufficient pressure on the boards. Uh, because teams are going to give you, they're going to give you the boards. Having said that, though, of course, Columbus scored a goal from the boards yesterday or in game one, but that they're, they're okay giving you the boards. They don't want to pressure the puck too much on the boards. They want to take away the middle. It's what Columbus does. They want to take away the middle. So you don't want to overcommit to getting to the boards and put yourself in bad uh, situations where you're caught out of position. Right? You have to pressure some, and when there's opportunities, that's when you put the pressure on. So again, I don't think that they're creating a ton of chances They've had some, but not a ton. So, um, from Alec, is it time for the surrender Cobra yet about another Bolts, uh, another playoff Bolts? Surrender Cobra. I'm not even sure what that is, Alec. Uh, but no, look, look, this is the best of seven series. They've been the better team in both these games. Look, sometimes you can get Yarrow Halakt. And if you're not familiar with that, Yaroslav Halak was the goaltender in 2010, I think it was 2010, that led the Canadians to the conference finals that year, knocked off a very um, favorite in Washington that first year, seven-game series. Uh, that was before Carey Price became an MVP candidate. You know, Yaro Halak was somebody that people in Montreal were saying, trade him, trade Carey Price, let's keep Yaro Halak. You know, so it can happen in the series. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it that a goalie can steal you a series. And Corpusalo has been very, very good. There's no doubt about it. He's the pucks that have gotten through. He's seen. 
And that's where Tampa Bay maybe has to get better at getting some some bodies to the net. They've had some close chances, but they seem to be just just off just enough to where they can't get to the, the opportunities that Corpus is leaving out there. Uh, from Lee, what do the Lightning need to do to break down Columbus's defensive structure? They clog the middle well and block shots on the perimeter. If it's not figured out quick, don't see them advancing. Again, They've had scoring chances. They've had a ton of scoring chances. You look at it today, the scoring chances are 34 to 22. And it's hard, it's hard to hear this in the playoffs. It's hard to hear this. You have to keep going with what's working. I know it hasn't resulted in goals necessarily to this point, but if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to find a breakthrough. Now, you have to make some adjustments, and we mentioned about getting shots through better, especially the point men. They've got to find ways to get the puck through quicker, get them through, as Kevin Shattenkirk said, the second wave. It's not necessarily the first shot blocker. It's Columbus layers things so well that you have to find a way to get the puck through all of them. There's a lot of bodies there. There's a lot of bodies there, and they do a very good job. That's why they're successful. So, you know, whether it's setting higher screens, whether it's, believe it or not, maybe using your forwards to box out those shot blockers a little bit better. I mean, there are ways that you can do it. I think that is one way that you can kind of break it down. And again, I think if if the Lightning can keep their their forwards a little bit higher around the net as opposed to around the crease and, and trying to set too many screens, maybe set a higher screen. Maybe try and, and, and push those shot blockers out of the way to create shooting lanes. Maybe that's a way that they can do it. Again, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that Columbus is easily... You know, it's, it's a tight series. So to suggest that the, 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 the team is falling apart because they lost a game today, I think that's a little overreaction, probably based on what happened last year. But they're in this series. It's a 1-1 series. There's no reason to overreact. Uh, from Mark, as a stam coastless, ooh, say that 10 times fast, power play fixable, it's worrying to see those chances, in my opinion. It, it is. It is. But you've got to find somebody to play the, the stam coast spot on the power play. And we haven't really seen, or they haven't found anybody that can do it. Tyler Johnson has been doing it. Um, in these games, we saw Braden Point in that spot for uh, some of the round robin, as well as during the scrimmages and practice that they had at Amelie Arena before they left. Um, the one thing that I question a little bit when it comes to the power play is Mikhail Sergachev is on that top unit, and this is not a knock on Mikhail Sergachev. He can do the job. We've seen him do the job. He's got a pretty good shot mentality on the power play, but Victor Hedman's been on that first power play unit most of the year. So, it, again, going back to the penalty kill situation and using Mitchell Stevens to take the right dot draw, you know, are you overthinking things? If there's a lot of chemistry with that top power play unit, even without a Stamkos, do you need to overthink it? Maybe just go with Hedman again. And it, And I'm not saying this is a reason how Columbus got their first goal. But you had Hedman and Shattenkirk out there together. They didn't play much together this year. 
They tried it a little bit in the early part of the season. Didn't really work. Never really went back to it. So why not keep Mikhail Sergachev on that second power play unit where he's working with Shattenkirk, who he's worked with and has good chemistry with, not just for the power play, but for what happened after the power play, because it ended up being Kevin Shattenkirk and Victor Hedman that were at the end of the um, that, that power play, and Columbus ends up scoring the goal to tie the game. So again, is that overthinking it a little bit? Maybe. Speaking of overthinking, Ernie has a question. Uh, does Cooper overthink when he matches up against John Tortorella? No, I don't think he does. Not as a whole. You know, I, I thought sometimes I think they overthink themselves. You know, I go back to the start of last year, Jan Ruda, who didn't see a whole lot of action with Tampa Bay during the regular season. All of a sudden, he was a guy who started game one instead of Braden Coburn. And I thought Braden Coburn had a fantastic year last year. So I don't think it's overthinking against John Tortorella. I think it's overthinking themselves. I think sometimes you tend to get too wrapped up in the analytics of things. You know, again, right-handed shot on the circle, on a face-off. Yeah, you prefer it, but do you need it? You know? Victor Hedman on the second power play unit into the first, when he's been on the first unit for most of the year, do you have to change it now? Like that's what I that's what I think when they're over when if there's some overthinking going on, it's not because of the coach and the team he's matched up against. It's overthinking yourself. Uh and the last question from Capital Bay Bolts. Did Kalorn, Alex Kalorn set the stage for the coming excuses with his remarks about and voting against this playoff format? Again, already a defeatist attitude amongst the fan base. I get it, you're skittish. I understand you're skittish. You've come close three times in the past five years with a Stanley Cup final and two other conference finals appearances. You're hurt from the sweep last year. I get it. And do I think in some ways that potentially Columbus was able to find their legs pretty quickly, all things considered, in this game today because they had come off a five-game series? Yeah, I think there's some merit to that. But you're already saying it's that it's a built-in excuse. I mean, come on. The sky is not falling. This is not last year. Game two last year, when they lost, when they blew that 3-0 lead in the first period and lost that game 4-3, they looked lost completely in game two. Looked timid, looked tentative, didn't know, didn't look like they knew how to to, to play because they hadn't faced that sense of an urgency throughout the year because they had such a great regular season. So even for a team with all those veterans, all of a sudden they look they look scared to lose last year. I wouldn't sit here and look at this game today and say that they look scared to lose. Again, they lost themselves for a little bit. The one mental mistake on the power play ends up being a big difference in this game. But I'm not going to sit here and say that this team didn't look ready to play today. Didn't show up to play today. They did a lot of things they wanted to do. This is not like last year. So keep the faith. It's just two games. It's a best of five series now. I still like Tampa Bay's chances. I picked them in six to begin with. So 
It's not over. It's just two games in. All right, that's going to wrap up this second edition of the Lightning Insider Podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit like. Give it a five-star review. Whatever you got to do. If you like it, continue to listen to it. We'll continue to do this. We'll continue to take questions. Um, If you want to subscribe to my website, go to lightninginsider.com. There's two options. There's a monthly plan and there's a yearly plan. $40 a year, $4.99 a month. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've got some exclusive Steven Stamkos news on the website that you're going to want to read. Lightninginsider.com is where you can find it. All right, so don't forget, Game 3 is on Saturday. That's a 7.30 p.m. start. Uh, We'll look and see what Tampa Bay can do now that they're considered the quote-unquote road team for Game 3 as they kind of shift uh, locker room areas and um, matchups and all that. So, uh, again, Game 3 on Saturday at 7.30. We'll do a podcast again uh, either after the game or first thing uh, Sunday morning, so look for it then. But, again, make sure you hit like. Make sure you hit subscribe. Go to my website, lightninginsider.com. We'll be back with Episode 3 on Saturday night or Sunday morning. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.